Hi, my name is Jameson. Welcome to the Unexpected Experts Podcast, a show where we dive into the vast spectrum of human knowledge and the ways that our experiences make us experts in unexpected ways. Thanks so much for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode. This week, I have on my very good friend, Sarah Mae Defoe. Sarah is a local Calgary musician. Um, She's a teacher. She's a music lover. She is just one of the most incredible people I've ever met. And I'm so thrilled that she agreed to sit down and have this chat. And we just had a blast. So this episode was super fun to edit. Um, it was it was really good to see, hearing all the laughter and all the fun that we were having. It was it was awesome. So um, we talk about all kinds of stuff in this episode. Everything from um, her as a teacher and her whole journey into being a teacher, and um, we talk about creativity and how that has played a big role in her life. And uh, and then we get into the story of her latest album, Letters to Ben, which is now out. It is available on Spotify and iTunes and and all the places that you normally listen to music. So go and check that out as soon as you're finished listening to this. And without any further ado, enjoy this conversation with Sarah Mae Defoe. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, This week, I have my friend Sarah Mae Defoe. Uh, I I know I pronounced, I know I said that all right. You did. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sarah is a kindergarten teacher, music enthusiast. Uh, she is a multiple album recording artist, which is wild. Um, her first album, Flourish, turned four just a few days ago. Yeah. I guess at, at the time of recording this, uh, a few days ago. Your yeah, first album just yeah, turned four. a couple of days. Four years. That's I can't insane. even believe it. Uh, and then your Christmas album, Unexpected Hallelujah, which like unexpected. I know, right? <laughs> Serendipitous, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that came out, geez, almost three years ago, 2018, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. About a month before Christmas. Right. So yeah, yeah, two and a half years. I don't know. What year is it? (laughs) Right. It's the year of nobody knows. It's the lost time. Time has no meaning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so yeah, that came out 2018 and then your new album, which at the time of the release of this episode, your new album letters to Ben will be out. Oh, yeah. Which is so wild, That's right? That's wild. Because I got great. another episode coming out in like two weeks. Yeah. And then yours will be three weeks after that. So it'll oh, be great. It'll be like it'll a be month. fresh. Yeah. It'll be it'll be a fresh album. It's it'll great be timing. Top of the charts. Top I'm of sure. the charts. 100%. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, Sarah is a beautiful person and a great friend, and I'm so thrilled to have her on today. So Sarah, welcome oh. to Unexpected Experts. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Very oh, yeah. lovely. Thanks for having me. Oh, glad, I'm glad you could be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to start with maybe just a bit of background about you, maybe where you're from, uh, your family, life growing up, maybe what brought you to Calgary, music, um, teaching, all of that. Just hit us with a, with a right. little, with a little uh, like superhero backstory. <laughs> <laughs> superhero backstory. All right. Well, <clears throat> I was born on a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually born on a Wednesday. <laughs> Have you heard the poem about like what day of the week you're born on? It's no. like Wednesday's child is this and that. It, it goes through every day of the week and gives like character traits. No way. Uh, you're going to have to look this up because we had a big family discussion and I felt personally attacked by the poem <laughs> and by my family. <laughs> Because oh it's gosh. like Wednesday's child is full of woe. 
And I'm like, yeah, so what? <laughs> I'm, I'm sensitive. <laughs> so what? It's like this me. whole thing. Anyway, <laughs> what do you want? I was actually born on a Wednesday, but we can actually jump ahead a little bit. <laughs> so I That's grew up so funny. <laughs> in Saskatoon. I was actually born in Calgary, grew up in Saskatoon. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, lived there from a very young age. So that really feels like home to me, um, even though I've been in Calgary for, oh, gosh, 15, I guess coming up on 16 years now. So wow. it's been a while. Um, so, yeah, I grew up um, in a pretty average, normal kind of a, you know, prairie family, I guess. Um, my parents just had... Um, yeah, like my dad was a school custodian and my mom was the church secretary and just, you know, pretty simple, normal kind of a life. Um, I was the second child and there was only two of us until I was 10 years old. So my younger sister wasn't born until I was 10. Oh, wow. And then my brother two years after that. So there was a big split between kind of two sets of kids. And my parents actually split up shortly after Um, I guess my brother was about two years old. So that, you know, was obviously a pretty traumatic experience and kind of marked, um, a lot of my teenage and early adulthood years, just kind of coming to terms with all of that. How old were you at that point? So I was 14 when they split up. Okay. So a delightful age for all. (laughs) Right in, right in the prime time of neurological development and personalities. Totally. Flourishing and, and, you know, and growing up in a fairly traditional church and then being part of one of those families to split up. And now you're from a broken home and, There's that stigma like placed on you already. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Even though so, you had no part to play in the whole thing too. Like it's just, yeah, just what it is. Well, and then you're kind of, you're completely powerless as a child in that situation or as a teenager in that situation. Like you said, it's not like I had anything to do with it, but then you're kind of left with this aftermath and, right. you know, yeah. being old enough to understand, but too young to be able to really say or do anything, just sort of, yeah, it was a, it was a definite, um, it was difficult. It was a really difficult shift in, you know, my childhood. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look back on things like that, or I look back on things like that now, many years later through a lens of, I guess, gratitude. I mean, it sounds really cliched to say that, but, um, but those are the things that kind of make us who we are. Totally. You know, and you learn, hopefully you learn from those experiences and grow from them. So, yeah. So I was, I don't know. I was a weird kid and all of that (laughs) happened. I was like, I was kind of a, I don't want to say a loner, but I, I guess I was kind of a loner. I just feel like when I look back, I I'm like, yep, I'm exactly the same person. Like all of these weird little quirks have just always been in me. I've always been drawn to the same things. I knew when I was a little kid that I wanted to be a teacher and a singer. Wow. And I'm a teacher and a singer. And like here we it's, are. Yeah. It, you know, it's just like, it's like I always had this vision of who I was, who I already was and then who I wanted to become. And I don't know. I just, I did all these like weird Okay, this is like, we're getting like way. <laughs> we're, we're going deep. <laughs> I'm going to like start telling you stories about how I turned my bedroom into a library. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so when, after my parents split up, it definitely changed. You know, I wasn't able to do like 
typical teenage kind of things like sure. sports teams were out because I was kind of looking after my siblings and you know it was just it was a different it, it was just a big change in our family and so when I went when I started university my family my mom and my younger siblings actually moved west so they moved out to Calgary okay. and I stayed and went to university in Saskatoon and did my education degree and then, yeah, when that was finished, kind of looked around and was like, huh, okay, I can't get a teaching job here. It just was, you know, there was no wiggle room in the Saskatoon public school system at that point. And it was like, okay, well, if I'm going to teach, I have to move. Guess I'll move to Calgary. I, I say it like that because I, I did move here quite reluctantly because <laughs> it was just sort of like that was the thing that people did, you know, it was like, and now we have our education and now we're going to move away. We're going to abandon our province yeah, like and go to the big city. Yeah. And, and people yeah. kind of were maybe a little bit judgy about it sometimes like, Oh, you're going to Calgary. Mm. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was, was like, well, was yeah. there a reason that like Calgary stood out other than like maybe Toronto or, or, or another big city in Canada? Honestly, or? it was just that my family was here. Right. And I knew that I could probably get a teaching job. And I didn't really know at the time if I would, actually put down roots here if it would be kind of a temporary thing like I wasn't super jazzed about living in a bigger city like Saskatoon was really comfortable for me and right. um, Saskatoon has a great like culture there's a great like music vibe there it's a really artsy kind of a city I mean it has its issues like any city but sure um, I like the pace and so moving here it was like oh, <laughs> it just, it wasn't a change that I was super excited for necessarily other than, you know, being excited to be near my family again, being excited to start my career. Um, but it was, yeah, it was an interesting time. I actually, I had been in a long-term relationship through the end of high school, all through university. And then we both moved out to Calgary at the same time and oh, okay. we ended up breaking up like I don't know, six months after. Oh no. <laughs> and so it was kind of this like wow. huge upheaval, right? It's, you know, I'm in a new place. I'm starting a new job. I don't really have any friends because, you know, when you, when you start out as a teacher, often you start as a substitute. Right. And yeah. so you're kind of bouncing around wherever you're needed. So then you're not making connections with colleagues. You're just kind of in and then you're out and yeah. And you're like, you may be developing place. your teaching chops pretty quick, like in totally in kind of a sporadic environment like that, but you're not mm -hmm. really able to establish like a work habit and a routine so much. Absolutely. And yeah. even, you know, connections with students, connections with colleagues, you know, you don't have anyone that you can really look to as a mentor. Right. Cause you're yeah. just, you're not plugged in in the same way. So yeah, I mean, some of my, I definitely think that I developed some really good classroom management, like discipline kind of skills as a substitute teacher, because let me tell you, those kids will eat you alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah. smell fear and they're like, Ooh, I remember any time we had a substitute, it was <laughs> like, it, it was a heyday. Right. Right. It was like, Oh, what can we get away with? Oh my gosh. You're like, sweet. The teacher's not here. Yeah. You can like see their little <laughs> wheels turning and they're just like, and they do, they totally try to get away with everything. Oh, totally. It's, it's like having an educational babysitter. <laughs> Right. Like they're still At doing, best. they're still doing the job. Like they're still trying to teach you stuff yeah. at the front of the room, but yeah. really they're effectually like 
effectively a babysitter. Oh, absolutely. And as a young teacher, I was kind of like, no, it's going to be different. I'm going to like teach them something. So I was like (laughs) guns a blazing, like I'm not going to put up with anything. And, and I, I feel like I did have pretty solid management skills for a brand new (laughs) substitute teacher, but I feel like if I were to go back to subbing now, <laughs> there might be days where I'm like, whatever, <laughs> switch names, see if I care. <laughs> so it was. I'm, I'm done oh. with you kids at the end of the day anyway, and I'm going to go home. <laughs> That's right. I don't have to write your report cards. I don't have to, <laughs> I don't have to do any of that. Yeah. So it was uh, definitely a, a tough first year living here. Just so many changes. Totally. Um, And then, yeah, I actually ended up getting a contract at the school that I am still at. Wow. (laughs) How long have you been there now? (laughs) Judging by that, still at. Oh, well, this is my 15th school year. Wow. In the same (laughs) building. That's insane. I know. It just doesn't happen. Wow. It just doesn't happen. Seriously. (laughs) That's not bad. Like it just you, makes me feel really old when I say it out loud. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> People are like doing the math. Like, okay, she went to university. <laughs> I'm 38. Okay. Okay. There we go. Let's just put yeah. it out. There. Let's put it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So I've been I've been there forever, and I'm super plugged into the community. You know, I've got kids. Um, I'm thinking of one family in particular that their youngest child is in grade six this year. So it's a K to six school. Okay. Um, and I taught her in kindergarten. I taught her older brother and actually her older sister who's significantly older than her was in my very first kindergarten class ever. Wow. So I've known this family forever. Like I remember when the other kids in the family were like, our mom is going to have a baby and we're so excited. And like, that's the kid that is in grade six right now. Wow. So, and so many of those families, because you know, they, there's a number of families that are quite rooted in the community. They've been there for a long time. And, um, yeah. So like, it's just, it's kind of crazy. It's amazing. Sometimes it's exhausting. So I'm actually, I'm teaching music right now. Okay. So, I did teach kindergarten for 11 years. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Just having some flashbacks over here. A little PTSD. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, my first nine years at the school were nine? Yeah. Half kindergarten and half music. Okay. That was nuts. Yeah. little public service announcement for any would-be teachers. For any aspiring educators. Just do one job. Just, just pick one. You don't need to do two. One is more than enough. Like, what was I thinking? I know what I was thinking. I was like, yes, I do want a contract. I will do anything. Fair enough. Yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll do this to get my foot in the door and then I can switch. You right. know, I can teach a grade. I never wanted to do kindergarten. I never wanted to do music. And that's all I've done for 15 years. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I switched to full-time kindergarten for a couple of years. Okay. And like had a morning class and an afternoon class. That was nuts. Uh, And then I switched. uh, I went down to part time when I actually shortly after I released Flourish, I went down to teaching part time. Okay. um, Because, you know, I figured I should 
prepare for my inevitable rise to fame. Of course. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, you know, I wanted some time and energy to to focus on other things. And teaching is one of those careers that it takes a lot. Yeah. It takes, you know, a hundred percent, sometimes more. Yeah. And so if there are other things that you're passionate about that you want to be able to give yourself to, um, it's pretty hard to go beyond that 100%. So, you know, at the end of the day or at the end of the week, it's like, I got nothing left. And so, yeah, I decided to go down to, I was teaching three days a week and then four and then three, (laughs) just kind of all over the place. So, yeah. So it's been, that's been a little bit nuts this year, especially has been. Yeah. No kidding, man. (sighs) Yeah. I'm counting down. <laughs> I'm glad it's June. <laughs> are you are you almost done now then with this year? Um, sort of. Um, so I believe the students' last day of school is June 29th. Okay. And teachers are there until June 30th. Right. Okay. So. so yeah, because we're we're recording this right now on June 2nd. Yeah. So this will this won't be out for a little bit. So I guess like by the time this is out, you'll actually be done. I'll be so relaxing. Congratulations. I'm <laughs> finishing you. another school year. It feels wonderful. <laughs> I feel so free. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's been silent tear. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> forgot that you were also doing music teaching as well so I had I had an idea to like talk about kindergarten but then we could probably also talk about music in there too Um, because if you were doing both at the same time like running two jobs essentially (laughs) like wild and okay (laughs) I I have a few friends that are teachers as well I'll give like a bit of background there um I've have one friend she's um, she's a teacher, I think with the CBE or maybe Rocky View or something, but she's doing a lot of subbing, kind of like what, oh, okay. what you were saying. Yeah. And so she's going around to a bunch of schools and, uh, I have a few other friends that are teachers at a school here in town that deal with a lot of kids with autism. Yeah. And so the type of teaching and the type of lesson planning and stuff that they have to do in those classrooms is very different, yes. obviously from something that's more, um, Calgary Board of Education driven. Um, so what did, what did all of that like kindergarten, cause I, I feel like teaching kids at such a young age when they're meeting <laughs> other kids for the first time and they're starting to develop social skills oh, and you essentially have to be a parent to them in a weird way, mm-hmm. but also try and teach them things like, I feel like that takes a special, <laughs> special. <laughs> a special, a special, well really though, like a special type of person and Yeah, it's, I I often say this, kindergarten is an alternate universe. Oh, cool. It is an alternate universe. And even from the world of teaching grade one, the kindergarten landscape is vastly different. Right. Because it's, and of course, depending on the program and the school and all of that, when I was teaching kindergarten, and it still currently is uh, like this, it's a half day program. So it's five days a week, but it's, um, you know, I was mostly doing morning kindergarten. And then in those nine years that I 
decided I'll just do two jobs and <laughs> it'll be fine. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> I did all the music classes for the whole school in the afternoons. Okay. Gotcha. So that was my crazy, crazy life for a long time. But kindergarten is, yeah, like you said, it's a lot of kids coming in with, well, I shouldn't say it's very split, at least in the community that I'm teaching in. We would get some kids who came in with you know, preschool experience or they've gone to daycare or they've been at church, you know, Sunday school, or they have various levels of kind of socialization, if you will. And then, you know, a good half of the class, it would be the exact opposite. Like I had students come in, many students that I can think of where the parents came in and they're like, yeah, our kid has never really met other kids. They just, you know, it's like an only child None of the parents' friends had children, so they just kind of hang out right. with adults all the time. Yeah. So it's like their first real like, dive into the yeah. world of other people their age. And so it's like, well, like you said, you're in some ways it's like you're parenting because right. these kids need a lot of <laughs> support. You know, yeah. I could tell you all the like gross stories about, you know, accidents and bathroom things and children (laughs) doing all sorts of (laughs) I'm I'm sure (laughs) I don't think we need to get into that I'm sure that people can like use their imaginations (laughs) I'll just share a couple of my favorite quotes (laughs) oh this should be good (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Foe I puked in the sand table. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) the little guy has sand all around his mouth so I say did you? Were you maybe putting the sand in your mouth? Nope. Well, I mean, <laughs> I can see that you have sand all around your mouth. Nope. <laughs> like just this weird little. It's my story, and I'm sticking with it. He says it like he's proud. <laughs> I puked in the sand table, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you do not pay me enough money to deal with this right now. Oh man. Oh, just like all kinds of weird. <laughs> but it's yeah, like they're they're figuring out how to be in an environment outside of their home, which for many of them, they have limited, if any experience outside of their own family or their own small circle. And so it's like teaching them how to play with other children, like literally teaching them how to play. Like other children, their age too. Cause if they're from a family, like I'm the oldest of four boys. Mm -hmm. And so none of us are the same age. I bet you were a treat in kindergarten. Oh, I was, I was a, (laughs) yeah, I was a gem. I bet you were, (laughs) were you super bossy with the other kids? I don't actually know. I think my kindergarten experience is just a blur in my brain, which probably rightfully so. I was, I was worse (laughs) in like high school and like later elementary. Oh yeah. I was not a good student. Really? Oh yeah. Any of my, any of my teachers would agree with me in that statement. (laughs) I was not a good student, but I I just didn't learn that way. I don't learn well in a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. So I, it, it felt like I was a goldfish being asked to climb a tree, mm, right? Like yeah. it's not what I was made for. It's not yeah. the way that I learn and process, which is fine. Um, but anyway. Well, um, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges of this school year is that totally. with all of the restrictions that, I mean, we have no choice and it's, it's, you know, it's no one's fault. It's just, this is the way things have to be right now. And it sucks, <laughs> but it's a real struggle for so many kids because we have spent, we being, you know, educators, education in general, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have spent so much time and energy 
invested in finding out how kids learn best. Right. And then everything about this year is basically, I mean, there are, there are some kids who are flourishing and who are doing really well and who need that structure and those boundaries, like, nope, sitting in your desk. And most kids are losing their little minds Mm. and it's really hard. And, you know, as a music teacher, I'm like rolling into classrooms and like all my stuff is on a cart and it's just like, this is not, you know, kids are sitting in their desks. They're sitting in desks for music class. And it's just like, it's heartbreaking to me because what I want to do and what I'm able to do and what I know kids respond to, I can't do. And it's no one's fault. And it's, it's just the way it is. So, I mean, I'm doing the best that I can. Kids are absolutely doing the best that they can. Yeah. And I've actually been really, really surprised and impressed really with how amazingly kids have adapted, but it breaks my heart that they have to, Sure. Yeah. you know, and it breaks my heart for my own program and what I know a music program can be to kids. Um, that's been really hard. I've really had to kind of dial back the expectations of myself and of my own program. Cause it's sure. like, okay, well I'm literally not even allowed to do these things right now. So I can't look at like, here's the tiny list of what you can do and then expect it to somehow compare to what I could do two years ago. Yeah. So it's just, it's been a really, aside from being physically exhausting and emotionally exhausting, it's been, yeah, it's just been a hard thing to kind of wrap my mind around. And I know I've had this conversation with colleagues, like I'm certainly not alone in this because we've literally had to rethink the way that we have gotten used to doing things, you know, like, oh yeah, let's gather, come gather on the carpet and I'll read you a story. Oh, can't do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's get together in partners. Oh, can't do that. Hey, let's play this game in a small group. Oh, can't do that. (laughs) Like, you know, let's sing. Oh, can't do that. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> let's play instruments. Oh, never mind. <laughs> like, Wood instruments? Not going to happen. Oh, it's been. Yeah. Although I will say I'm not too sad about not teaching the recorder this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay with that one. The kids bring it up and I'm like, yeah, too bad. <laughs> yeah, Real bummer, that one. Aw, oh, shucks. Yeah, we might not be able to do it for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> So that what uh, grades do you teach music right now then? So I teach uh, kindergarten through grade six. So okay, so the whole, whole entire the whole school. Gamut. Yeah. And yeah. we have a, a few classes in our school that are students with special needs, different developmental delays and that sort of thing. Right. So yeah. it's quite a variety, <laughs> which normally I do find, um, I think that's what keeps it fresh for me. Okay. Yeah. Because you literally could not possibly get bored. Like you just cannot, you, you can't, it's not possible. There's always something happening. Oh my God. Always something different going on. Oh, it's yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, this year I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to be over. And I'm really hoping and praying that things open up at least a little bit for next year. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we need to say about that. I've got a friend whose son is uh, graduating this year. Oh yeah. And you know, like, that sucks. Like not being able to walk, maybe walk across the stage or have the big party that you want or celebrate the way you want to with your friends. Like, yeah, it really does. It really sucks. Like I, I can't imagine. All these like milestone experiences yeah. that when we look back 
When I look back a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, a very, very, very long time ago. Um, Those are meaningful kind of markers that we sort of set down in our lives, you know, becoming an adult. It's like you look back on those things and not that they won't. I mean, they'll certainly, we'll be looking back on this (laughs) time, I'm sure. But yeah, it definitely feels like they're kind of getting robbed a little bit. Sucks. Yeah, I, I feel for them too. It's brutal. I'd, I'd love to hear about maybe something in regards to teaching that you first thought was really terrifying that maybe became something that gives you a lot of confidence. Nervous laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow. Well, (laughs) starting out, everything was terrifying. Everything. I remember. (laughs) Where where to begin? Where to begin? How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) I remember in my first year, um, like on my contract, so not counting subbing, and I had a couple like short temporary contracts. So my first contract year half kindergarten, half music. We were a couple weeks or less into the new school year and we had parent teacher. Well, it was supposed to be meet the teacher, but when you schedule a 15 minute appointment to come and speak to your child's teacher, it's not, Hey, let's just, you know, casually meet the teacher and chat. It's like, how is my child doing? (laughs) And we were so early in the year And I remember being really intimidated and just thinking like, what am I going to say? Like, I don't, I I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. And I had a degree and I had done all the practicums and I had subbed and had temp contracts for a year. Like I knew what I was doing, but to have a parent come in and to sit across from them and look them in the eye. And, you know, I, I felt like I was going to be looked at as some kind of authority and, I felt like a kid who didn't know what I was doing. That's what I felt like. Totally. And it was kind of daunting to think of this like little, you know, this room of little kids that I'm like, I'm responsible for these little lives for like, you know, three hours, five days a week. And it's kind of, it freaked me out. And I remember this one family, I'm actually still, (laughs) still in contact with this family. Um, Their kids are, not kids anymore, I guess, but they came in and they were really warm and welcoming and their oldest son was in kindergarten. So this was their first experience as parents with school. So they're just trying to figure it out the same time as you are. They're just trying to figure it out. And they said, it was the dad, his name is Rob. Uh, Rob said, so you're the expert on kids we're the expert on our kid. And we just like, they wanted to tell me about their son. And I was mm. like, this is amazing. Okay. This is what it should be like, you know, especially at that point in the year, rather than, you know, coming in and grilling me, like, how's my child doing? Like, okay, well it's, you know, September 12th yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know your kid's name yet. <laughs> your child has survived all of the days in kindergarten so far. <laughs> And they didn't pee their pants. 
So I call it a win. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but when he said that to me, when he said, you know, we're the expert on our kid, but you're the expert on kids. And these were older parents. Um, I was so young. Oh my gosh. I think I had just turned 23. Wow. I was just a baby. And I was kind of almost expecting some, maybe some disrespect from parents, maybe, you know, kind of questioning my abilities because I was so young and I looked young. Sure. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh. At that point, at that time I didn't (laughs) I didn't have a car, so I took public transportation to work every day. <laughs> and this one day, oh my goodness. So it was pretty much always the same bus driver because, you know, I caught the bus at a consistent time, consistent yeah. route, obviously. And so it was always the same driver. And I remember one day I got on the bus and I sat pretty close to the front and he just started chatting with me one day and he's like, Oh, so where are you off to so early? And I said, my school. And he said, <laughs> Oh, what grade are you in? <laughs> and I was just so, it was so like, like thank I was, you. I was too young to appreciate it at that. I mean, if someone said that to me, they would never say it to me now, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was too young to appreciate that's that he so thought I funny. was like in, I don't know what grade he thought I should have said, what grade do you think I'm in? <laughs> but I was like, oh, actually, <laughs> take, take I'm, a guess. I'm a teacher. And then he was like, oh, <laughs> it was just like, I was a little bit mortified. And then it was like, okay, how do I, how do I make myself look older? So there was that kind of concern that people yeah. would think I was unqualified because I was young. I looked young and I was inexperienced. Sure. I had some experience and, you know, I had a, like I said, I, finished my degree and had my teaching certificate and all of that. But I mean, you, you learn, especially in a job like teaching, you learn from doing totally. And yeah. you know, I'm 15, 16 years in and I'm still learning and adjusting and growing all the time. And so I, yeah, I just remember feeling, feeling intimidated by what parents might think. And that comment from that parent just kind of gave me confidence. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't necessarily agree with him when he's like, you're the expert on kids. I was like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) I am fumbling my way through, sir. (laughs) But yeah, it kind of ended up from there. Like I had great relationships with parents, great conversations, even when they were hard conversations, um, I just kind of fell into a good rhythm with communicating with parents. And I, I have a few stories of not so pleasant encounters with parents, but I mean, I, I can look back on those times and be like, yeah, I knew what I was talking about. And I stood my ground if I had to in a professional and, you know, kind, as kind a way as I could, like, I'm going to be honest to you about your kid. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'm going to do it through the lens of compassion and understanding and with the goal of moving forward, right? So yeah, I guess that's something that I got a lot better at or or even just learned to believe that I could do it. I got another kind of fun question too, which feel it could dovetail into the the other musical part of your life with the albums and Mm -hmm. 
um, with creating music and making your own music. Um, what does the word creativity mean to you? Ooh. I thought you said you weren't going to throw any like philosophical. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't this isn't philosophical. This is purely maybe not for you. Opinion and experience. <laughs> okay, creativity is oh, it's so many things. At this point in my own life and in my own experience, um, creativity is very linked to my mental health. Okay. In a way that I never really realized until my mental health was not doing so great um, a couple of years ago. And I, yeah, I just felt... Like I've always been a very creative person right from childhood. It's always been a big part of me. Even if I haven't had specific outlets for creativity, I'm just one of those, you know, brains that's always coming up with different ideas. And even if I don't have a way to put them into motion, they're Mm -hmm. always in there. Yeah, I get that. And sometimes it's great. And sometimes it's almost like, I don't want to say a burden, but kind of sure. <laughs> Cause like sometimes it feels almost overwhelming, I guess, where it's like, Oh yeah, I could do this. Oh yeah, I could do that. Oh, I could do this and that. And you know, it kind of like piles up and piles up and you end up not really knowing where to start with anything. So you just don't do anything. Totally. Yeah. And that, that happens to me all the yeah. time. Like there's so much going on. It's, it's like a, it's like a house for somebody that's got a hoarding problem, right? Like oh. you just have too many things oh. going on in there and it gets cluttered and cluttered. And then you're like, what do I do with all this? Totally. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And I, I guess I can almost look back and link times that I've been, I hate to use the word productive because I think there's a little bit too much of an emphasis on creativity and being linked to productivity. Sure. <laughs> Cause I don't think you have to produce things. I don't think there has to be like evidence of your creativity to yeah. be creative. But I know for me, that's like one of the ways that I gauge it because it's like, you know, writing music, you can kind of see or hear that you've created something or, um, I also like to paint and things like that. So it's like, right. yeah. you can see, um, yeah. like this is an outcome or a, a result of my pro totally. of my creativity and not that it has to be shared. Yeah. And that's something that I've really had to learn is that, um, I need to be creative for the sake of being creative. Mm. And as a fairly, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of a go-getter in a lot of ways. Like I want to create something for the purpose of putting it out there. I want to share. I want to write children's books. I want to, (laughs) a couple of weeks ago I was camping and I came up with like (laughs) a whole outline for like a murder mystery (laughs) novel. (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I could totally, if I, you know, if I sit down and write for an hour a day. Like what? I, yeah. I mean, come on self. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> just, just finish the school year for crying out loud. But I'm always thinking that way. And that's great. But like I said, it can also be kind of overwhelming. So a couple of years ago, I realized 
that I need to just let myself be creative and get into that creative space without worrying about how this painting looks and who am I going to give this painting to as a Christmas gift? (laughs) You know, like all of those things that I'm always kind of, I'm trying to like multitask. Maybe that's my problem. I'm trying to multitask too much. But I ended up taking a watercolor painting class. Oh, cool. I don't even remember how it all happened. I don't remember where the idea came from. I like Googled and found um, there's a place in the southwest called Wildflower Art Center. Okay. And it's a city of Calgary facility. It used to be a school. So it's like in an older, you know, school type building and they have different art classes and different things going on there. And you can sign up for programs. They do like kids programs and stuff. Um, they should probably pay me for <laughs> endorsing their programs <laughs> endorsement right now. Deal. Yeah. This is not an endorsement deal yet, <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up signing up for this just beginner watercolor class. I don't remember why I picked it. I was just, I don't know. I was honestly in a very dark place um, just in terms of my mental health. Mm. And for whatever reason, I ended up in this class. It was once a week for eight weeks or nine weeks or something like that. And it was the most amazing. It was amazing. It was like, I just went and sat and it was like two and a half hours or something a week. And The instructor was this like brilliant, philosophical, just this crazy, amazing artist. But it was more the way that she talked about art and the way she talked about creativity and just the process and letting go of trying to make something and trying to produce something and trying, 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 just letting go. It's just like, well, I don't know, just see what happens. And it spoke to me on such a deep emotional level that it wasn't, I mean, it was about the painting, but it wasn't about the painting. Totally. And I think it was really what I needed in a lot of ways at that time in my life. And I ended up um, taking another class with her and um, yeah, just kind of focusing on making a creative space for myself at my house. And actually last year when everything first shut down, um, so like middle of March, yeah, that was school shut down middle of March. And I was sort of like left in this weird, you know, not quite doing online school. I was like making all these weird videos for (laughs) just weird stuff. Basically like filmed myself doing weird music activities or crafts or building blanket forts or reading stories (laughs) or like, it was actually kind of great. (laughs) Actually thinking back on it, it was pretty sweet. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, I'd be talking to friends or family and, you know, I'd tell them what I was doing and they're like, so like, this is your job. (laughs) Like there's literally a video of me building blanket forts on YouTube. You can look it up. It's public. (laughs) What's the title? So, so people can go look for it. Well, I think, I think it's, <laughs> I think it's just Mr. Foe or did I call it fun stuff with Mr. Foe? I'm sure if you search for fun stuff with Mr. Foe, you'll find it. <laughs> it was like that, uh, like that John Krasinski thing that he did, like the yeah, SGN, right? Some good, some good news. news. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, just me chilling at home. 
I love it. Doing weird stuff. <laughs> so yeah, but creativity, it's something that I guess I've realized and, and maybe all of this crazy COVID stuff and the restrictions, um, you know, have maybe helped with this too. I want my students to appreciate creativity in its many forms. Mm. So creativity can be production. It can be making an album or painting a picture or writing a novel (laughs) (laughs) or for for other people to see and consume and enjoy. Absolutely. And you can kind of merge your creative self and your entrepreneurial self or your teaching self. I mean, of course I have to be creative as a teacher in lots of ways. Um, but I wonder sometimes if, if that side of things, if that producing side of things maybe overshadowed just the, the freedom and the, I don't know, there's, there's kind of a, there's almost like a release that happens Mm. for me when I can just, it happens for me more with visual art, with painting and drawing or just, you know, mixed, whatever, (laughs) just kind of like random stuff, whatever medium you have, whatever medium. And, um, so yeah, last year I started keeping an art journal Oh, cool. And it's not for anyone. It's not, I'm not painting pictures to frame and give to family members. I'm so sorry, family. I give them all (laughs) kinds of weird stuff. It's like, oh, another homemade gift from Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) Another macaroni (laughs) self-portrait. Oh, macaroni. Yeah, I haven't done one of those for a long time. (laughs) The creative pasta. Oh man, do you remember those weird little um, angel like Christmas ornaments made out of pasta noodles? Oh my gosh, yes. So yeah. like, you know, you got the... the all, all the bow ties. The bow ties. Bow ties everywhere. And then the, it's not, it's not manicotti because those are too big, but like, I don't remember what they're called. It's like penne? Ma- penne, Was maybe it penne? it's penne. But then you have to like glue it all together and then you have to spray paint it gold. Yes. Because yeah. if it's not gold, then they're not. Then it's not angelic. Holy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And it's not sacred. <laughs> you, you have to you have to spray to turn the starch into sacred. There we go. <laughs> oh. A little a little three point sermon alliteration. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Save I, that one. I, I knew I wasn't ever a pastor for a reason. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> That's good. But like looking back at teaching music, we were always, often anyway, working towards a concert or a performance. Right. Yes. And there's so many valuable experiences built into that. So many. Yeah. Oh, I I get that. But like I've, I've been in a choir oh, here in Calgary know. for like 11 years. Yeah. Like I've been, yeah. And that's, like big that's my productions. Yeah. Oh, totally. We've done some crazy big concerts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And amazing productions. Yeah. Like I, I've seen, I don't know, a handful of them. Mm-hmm. And I've always been like, dang, like <laughs> super high level. Yeah. And that's But that's such like a, a good great... product that we work for weeks and yes. months and however long to get to that level. Right. Yeah. And again, it's a product. It's something that we as a group create together. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's something and you know for the bigger concerts we sell tickets for it right yeah totally and it's a whole different thing to step back and just kind of settle into um 
just being in, in a creative headspace just to be in a creative headspace. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard. That's really hard. <laughs> but I, I guess I hope looking at this year when we haven't been able to do any performances at school, um, in some ways that's been kind of devastating because that's been a big part of my life and a big part of my, you know, community that I teach in for a long time. And like the school and the community, we, we look forward to these experiences mm -hmm, together. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe in some ways as devastating as it is, especially for kids who are, you know, in grade six and they're moving on and they won't have, they won't have this year back again. They won't be able to, you know, rewind and, and have their grade six spring concert. Yeah. Um, but maybe hopefully the lesson or one of the lessons can be enjoying making music in different ways just because it's a great thing to do just because it's a great part of being a human yeah. and, you know, listening to music or enjoying music just because it's beautiful or, you know, painting a picture just because it's a nice thing to do, not because we're trying to, you know, impress anyone or, I don't know. That's a hard thing. That's been a hard lesson for me to just let myself be a creative human being just because I'm a creative human being. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, with social media and <laughs> all of that, like it makes it, it makes it really difficult to keep that perspective and to not attach our worth as creators to like, oh, how many likes did this post get? Yeah, totally. How many, how many people have streamed my music on Spotify? Yeah. Not very many. Or, or my <laughs> podcast, right? Like, right? All of it. Yeah. It's hard. And I don't think that, I don't think we should stop putting ourselves out there. I think no, sharing and being in community with people in these various ways is beautiful and wonderful. But yeah, how do we, how do we do it for the joy of doing it? and not get so stressed out about all the other extra stuff. Ugh, that's hard. <laughs>
important distinction to make. Yeah. <laughs> like what is success? <laughs> that's a whole, yeah. that's another conversation. <laughs> that's a whole other episode. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's definitely true. And I never, yeah, I, I mean, I obviously we have had all these conversations yeah. about Enneagram, <laughs> but yeah, like as a three, you're very tapped into that productivity side of things. Yeah. And as a four, I think it's maybe, well, no, I think, I think fours are pretty tapped into it too, but probably in a different way, probably, you know, a different motivation. Right. And maybe, maybe I'll just explain a little bit of the numbers just for anyone, <laughs> for some reason, if anyone doesn't know what the Enneagram is in if 2021. Been living under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Enneagram is... Um, a personality typing system that's been around for a long, long time. It's got roots back to like ancient Christianity and ancient Sufi mysticism um, for like 1500 years ago. Like mm-hmm. it's old. Um, but the way that it was broken down was like nine basic types mm-hmm. of people or personalities, um, which has kind of become weird in the last while. Like it's become such a big like buzzword <laughs> and a hot topic for a lot of people. And, um, it's been kind of watered down in a lot of ways to yeah. just being a personality test, but it's so much more. Anyway, I agree. Um, I, I think it's more a path for personal growth mm-hmm. and the way that it's structured kind of outlines where each type can go and, mm-hmm. you know, in health or in stress and yes. all of that. Anyway. So, um, so your type being the four is there's a few names for it. one of them is the, I think the individualist and the romantic. Those Mm -hmm. are two titles for sure. And then the three is the achiever or the performer. And so, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh (laughs) You're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. But anyway, the the idea behind the fours is that there's like this, oh, maybe I'll let you explain like just a little bit about the Mm -hmm. four and and what it's like to be a four. So I think... The, the thing that I've kind of taken away from the Enneagram is like the underlying motivations or I kind of think of it like how we're wired totally and just being able to understand that different numbers on the Enneagram are wired differently. And so when you, when something happens and you respond in a way that's completely different and foreign to me, I can look at it and be like, oh, but I understand that, you know, he might be responding in this way because he's kind of wired differently because of you know, whatever. So as a four, um, one of the main things is a desire for authenticity and a desire for uniqueness. And so I, (laughs) I often label myself as the unicorn because I'm just so (laughs) special and so unique. (laughs) Look at me, look (laughs) Look how fancy I am. (laughs) But we, we do typically, and there's always exceptions and it's not like every person that has the same number is identical especially not fours because <laughs> I'm the most unicorniest of all unicorns. It's true. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, this, this deep desire and this definitely comes out in my music and in the way that I've like tried mm. to market my music is yeah. I have to be real. I have to be honest. I have to be authentic. And if I can't do those things, then I don't want to do it. Right. And so I do have that three wing. And so I think that's where that kind of achieving performing side, um, comes out, but I don't know if your underlying motivation is different as a three. Yeah. As a three, it would be that, um, it's not so much a sense of uniqueness. It's that 
what I do defines who I am. Mm. Threes very often have a struggle with identifying with whatever job title they have. Okay. Um, that's a really common thing or um, trying to separate what you do from who you are in that if you're not doing something productive or if you're not doing something um, incredible, then you're failing. Right. Mm. And so what you do is also tied to your own sense of Mm self-worth. And, um, but then the way that, that my four wing shows up in there is exactly like what you said, that need for authenticity. Mm -hmm. And so one character trait of the three is the idea of masks and that a three will put on different masks to be different people to different people. Mm. So at work I can be, you know, a pretty relaxed kind of fun loving type of person. And maybe with my family, I can be a little bit different, like maybe more reserved or um, depending on the situation, like my brothers and I all goof off and we hang out and (laughs) we have a riot and it's great. (laughs) Um, But uh, you know, I I even think about um, like being in the choir, like I was a section leader for a while Mm -hmm. and the face that you kind of have to put on in a leadership role is different and so that mask putting on ing <laughs> love <laughs> uh, it <laughs> combined with the four wing and that need for authenticity Ooh. is a really conflicted combination no kidding. so there's a lot going on there no so I'm, I'm constantly aware when i have a mask on that i have a mask on and that yeah. i'm not being authentic and that kind of drives me nuts sometimes wow and so the the motivation or the goal for a 3 is to understand that you are not who you are not your job. You are not what you do. Mm. You are not what you produce Mm -hmm. and that your value doesn't come from that. And that you are good as you are Mm -hmm. as a person that you are whole and complete and you don't need to put on masks and you don't need to produce in order to be valuable. You already are. So, wow. Anyway. Yeah. So that's (laughs) quite the, quite the relevant (laughs) thread in our conversation. (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, as a three, what is your experience like with big emotions? Because that's kind of the other side of being a four is like, yeah. it's, I, I kind of think of it and I, I've heard this in a few different places and I wish I had made note of where I heard or read or whatever, but you're kind of like an emotional scuba diver. So I'm not afraid of any of my emotions in the way that some people might be, um, I don't really view emotions in terms of like negative and positive. It's just, they're just emotions. They're just part of being a human. Maybe different colors. Totally. Yeah. And I feel like I experience the full spectrum of emotions in, in their depth. So like when I feel sorrow, I feel like I am in an ocean of sorrow. Yeah. And when I am feeling joyful, it's like I could explode. I'm right. so filled with joy. Like I've, I've heard a really good um, phrase about fours and their emotions is that fours don't feel their emotions. Fours are their emotions. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of what you're describing. Totally. Yeah. So it can, at times it can definitely be all consuming in a not so great way. Sure. But the thought of not experiencing emotions or like, shoving them down or bottling them up somehow like that sounds like death to me right you know so it's that again it's that authenticity like i need to allow myself to feel what i'm feeling 
I, if I feel sad, I need to sit here and feel sad and I need to allow myself to experience that. And the challenge sometimes is not getting stuck, not setting up camp there, Mm, (laughs) kind of like letting myself move through that process. Um, knowing that there's seasons in everything in our lives, in the world, in the emotions and the experiences that we go through and knowing that I'll come out of that and letting myself come out of it. Yeah. And not yeah. like holding on to those big emotions. So I don't know. Is that like, how does that fit for you with your four wing? Yeah. Emotion is a weird term for me because um, the the weird or the, the funny thing about, um, so the twos, threes and fours are in a group called the heart triad. Mm-hmm, yeah. So we live in a very emotional space anyway. Yes. But um, three being in the middle of that triad is ironically the most disconnected from their emotions. Yeah. And so um, one thing that I've really been working on this last while is allowing myself to feel my emotions um, and feel it as it comes and sit with it if I need to and allow it to express itself and allow it to have a voice. um, But I've also described my emotions as like a boiling pot on a stove Mm. in that there's a lot going on in there, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what's going on under that lid. Mm. So I know that like that four wing definitely shows up in pretty powerful ways sometimes, but I don't have good language to describe what's going on under that, under the lid. So even though there's a lot of emotion boiling around, I don't really know how to identify what those emotions are. And that's a very three thing because emotions get in the way of productivity and so as soon as a powerful emotion shows up and maybe I'm at work, I'm like, well, I have to keep working. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't just like break down, like taping up a box, right? Like <laughs> there, there has, there's a certain level of productivity that still needs to be maintained. Of course. And so, um, one thing that I've been really intentional about is when I feel something, trying to identify what it is, trying to identify what the root of it is Mm -hmm. so if if there was some kind of trigger or inciting incident or something that a coworker said that maybe reminded me of something what have you um trying to trace that emotion back maybe to a root cause Mm -hmm. but then still allowing myself to feel it Mm -hmm. and if i need to feel it later when i'm at home and i can have a beer (laughs) then then that's Heck that's yeah. where I feel it, right? Yeah, for sure. But allowing myself to feel what I need to feel when I need to feel it has been a, a really important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a picture of being emotionally healthy. Hmm. Being emotionally healthy isn't like, oh, I never get sad. Yeah. <laughs> I never get angry. It's like you recognize those things and you can allow yourself to feel those things and kind of work through things that you might need to work through. But yeah, I really think that, you know, we are created with this full spectrum of emotion Mm. for a reason. And how many of us are taught as children or through different relationships or experiences that, you know, we have to shut those things off or, you know, don't be a whiner, don't be a baby or, you know, boys don't cry or like whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we're, we're asking, you know, when we say those things or perpetuate those things, we're asking people to shut off part of their emotional selves. And how is that, 
okay. How is that healthy? It's not healthy. <laughs> it's just not. Well, I think too, like it's so much more important nowadays with COVID and everything too. Yes. Because we're being cut off from each other yes. and we're being cut off from the people that are normally our support network that we have oh, around us. So yeah. If there's something going on, like you have to be that much more intentional about reaching out to your people totally, and saying, hey, I'm struggling with this. Yeah. Like, I, you know, do you want to talk over the phone for an hour or seven, you know, <laughs> yeah, and and help me process this thing? Because we can't meet in person sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, um, well, yeah. and I think we have to be kind to ourselves in, in this time as individuals, just as human beings. But I know like for me with teaching, I, I've looked at what is still being expected of us as teachers right now. And it's kind of like, why are we pretending that everything's the same? Hmm. Why am I still writing report cards in the same way? Why am I still being asked to assess students on the same things when I haven't been able to run the same program? And, you know, we're just, a lot of times we're just kind of trying to be together and trying to like support kids and be there for them and provide them some stability and some care. And, you know, and it's like, we're, we know that everything is vastly different, but we're still somehow in some ways pretending like, Oh yeah, yeah. Everything's yeah. We're going to do all this other stuff the same. And that's, you know, obviously just one example, but then for ourselves as individuals, I don't feel the same as I did two years ago or five years ago, totally because it's a different world right now. Yeah. So of course I'm responding differently. Of course I'm struggling with things and you know, of course I am. And so just kind of being kind to ourselves, letting ourselves just be in the world the way that it is right now. Cause it's cray cray. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) It's what what, what was the word? Unprecedented. If I hear that word one more time, we had <laughs> just last night. We had a Zoom call with the choir, and oh, yeah. our director was saying unprecedented at really unnecessary times. <laughs> <laughs> I have a list of words too. Pivot. Oh yeah. I or don't. Like, or new normal. Want to talk about pivoting or new normal? Yeah. I just don't. Adapt. Uh. Yeah. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> Enough already. <laughs> I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the new album that is yeah. now out Yay. <laughs> at the time of this episode coming out. <laughs> the wonders of, of podcasting, recording to releasing. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so letters to Ben. Maybe let's go into Ooh. all of all of it. Yeah, letters to Ben. Holy moly. It's been such a crazy, crazy journey. So <laughs> just kind of the, I guess the nutshell version of getting up to this point. So I started recording music in a more serious way in 2016 um, and released my first album, Flourish, as we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Um, It was spring of 2017 and um, really kind of dove into this world of being an independent artist and was trying to figure everything out. And it is a crazy world. And I have so much to learn (laughs) just like 
trying to come to terms with having to be both an artist and an entrepreneur at the same time. Right. And not being, I'm not in a position to be able to hire, you know, a publicist or a manager or any of those things. So it's like, oh, wow, this is like a whole different thing. And it's so anyway, that's been a, a whole journey. So that whole process led me to, uh, to enter a competition. This would have been <laughs> that three 20. Years it was, ago? I feel like it was spring of 2018. I think so. I think yeah, that's, I think it was yeah, three that's years when it ago. was. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, a little something about I know that a little something about it. It was super fun. <laughs> super fun. So I entered this competition. The first round was online voting and yeah. then the top 10, came to this live final competition and we were competing for a spot in the no greater love music festival on the main stage, which Mm -hmm. if you don't know, it's like this big Christian music festival that obviously is on hold right now, but over, I think it's three or maybe four years. Four. I think four. It's four now. Um, Brought in some really, really big, humongo artists yeah. um both from christian music and and even really beyond yeah, but like probably reba played one year reba played reba. crazy like reba freaking mcintyre like and basically the the kind of top um like christian artists um and so probably i'd say no greater love is the biggest christian music festival for sure in Western Canada. I don't know what there might be in other parts of the country. And certainly there's larger festivals in the United States, but it's kind of a big deal around here. And so I just kind of thought, yeah, sure. I'll enter this contest and did really well in the online part. And so I got to go and compete in this top 10. And so I just had to assemble a band to uh, play with. (laughs) And I don't know. Do you remember, Jamo? Who did I, who was in my band? Uh, It Um, was... There was there was this guy uh, Daniel yes. who played acoustic. Daniel, uh, it was his this, birthday the other day. It was, yep. And he's it was moving on, away. I am so saddened. I know. That he's leaving. Daniel, Daniel I texted Walsh. him on his birthday. Oh, good. Like, You're such birthday. a good friend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we had Daniel. We had Daniel. And we had Mr. Jeremy. Jeremy on the drums. And we had uh, Lucas. Mr. Lucas. Mm-hmm. Lucas yeah. Duxbury. And then who was who was that other one? There was some hooligan, some rando hooligan playing some the weird bass dude or something. Playing the bass <laughs> like a like a monkey. That like guy. a monkey, yeah. just like a crazy. <laughs> I was the bass player. It was. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we were Sarah May and the Fanny Packs. Yep. Although I should say to to be fair, um, it was like. I, I don't know, second generation fanny packs, I guess, because right. I did yeah. have a, a previous set of fanny packs at my Flourish uh, release party. <laughs> anyway, so we, we played... We were fanny packs 2.0. 2.0. So yeah. we played at this uh, competition and had such a great time. That's it was so much fun. Honestly, one of my favorite onstage moments, for real. Yeah. Like, just Me so too. fun. Like, it's right up there. And, you know, hanging backstage and just, like, chilling out and... Being crazy and so many laughs, just so 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 many laughs. Well, and meeting the other bands too, that was really cool. It was. Like I'm, it was I'm a, still Facebook friends with, yeah, with a few of the guys. Me too. And, yeah. So yeah. really cool experience. Uh, didn't win. No. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I did end up getting to go to No Greater Love anyway right. yeah. and just play a set on like they had a little indie stage. So it was actually at this festival as I was 
unloading my gear that I met this guy named Ben. Okay. And it was kind of this magical, cheesy romance movie kind of a thing where it was like perfect timing. Like, oh yeah, we're just switching security shifts and here, this guy can help you. And I look up and I'm like, oh, hey. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, it was just, it was one of those connections that just is so easy and so quick and so natural. Um, I'd never experienced anything like it. Mm. And it was a tough situation because Ben lived in BC at the time. um, And he was going through some things in his life. And we ended up connecting and, you know, becoming Facebook friends and having all these conversations and sort of ended up like kind of professing all these feelings for each other, but knowing that it was kind of, kind of an impossible situation. And we still, you know, we wanted to be friends and we both kind of hoped that one day things would kind of change. And unfortunately is not a big enough word, but, um, after not quite a year of this really incredible connection and friendship, uh, Ben was killed in an accident And, um, yeah, I mean, it really, obviously it's so awful anytime that, well, anytime that anyone dies, you know, it's like (laughs) I start getting into my like forebrain where I'm like, Oh, it's so sad. Like it, and it is, it's so sad. It's so, and sad isn't a big enough word. It's like, you know, somebody existed in this world and now they're gone and that's, you know, when you think of all of the ways that people connect to each other and all of the, you know, family members and friends and people that are connected and just the sorrow and the grief that we go through when we lose somebody that we love. And with Ben, it was like this weird, you know, I, I had gone through a a divorce a few years before that and a really difficult, toxic marriage and just had really longed for this kind of connection. And it was like, you know, okay, I feel like I finally met this person. Oh, but it's not going to work out. Mm, And so there was already this sense of like, oh, but like, why is it like this? Like, why would I meet this amazing person only to have it be a situation that's not going to work out? And then he died. And I'm like, what? Like, what is happening? Why? And not that it was about me, but it just, it was such a difficult thing to come to terms with. And it did really make me question and even, you know, kind of say to God, like, why would you let this happen? Why did you even bring him into my life, God? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just a lot of, a lot of real open conversations with the Lord yeah. <laughs> where I, you know, I was angry. Of course. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm kind of dealing with all of this grief and just confusion. I ended up connecting with Ben's family which I mean, they, they lived in Ontario. I had, you know, obviously never met them. Ben was literally this person that I met at this festival. We spent some time over a couple of days together. We talked on Facebook, we, you know, video called and that kind of thing quite frequently, but he didn't know my people. I didn't know his people. Right. right? We, we were just sort of connected in this one way. Um, and his sister actually, um, had heard my music. So, you know, Ben had told her about it and like, Oh, you got to check this out. And, um, and reached out to me and let me know about this accident and that Ben had died. And 
that started this really beautiful connection and friendship with her and with really his whole family. Mm. And I ended up, um, flying out to Ontario. Um, it would have been September of 2019. So just a couple months after the accident, um, to be with the family while they had like a big memorial, um, kind of celebration for his life. And they asked me to sing and I stayed with his sister. I literally just like got on a plane and just, flew to Ontario (laughs) and I'd never met these people. They picked me up at the airport. We all stood there crying and hugging in the airport. It was crazy. So Ben's mom, actually, we talked on the phone one night before this was before I went out to Ontario. And she told me all of these things that Ben had told her and the rest of the family about me. Oh, wow. And so it was like the most bittersweet moment probably my whole life to hear all of these things that were in my heart were also in his heart to hear that confirmation but then the sorrow of him being gone it was just like we just bawled on the phone like just bawled like babies it was insane (laughs) and then yeah jumped on a plane just you know went and just immediately felt like I was part of the family. They were so welcoming. Mm. So it was just such a beautiful connection. That's incredible. I went out again to visit them actually just before things shut down. Um, yeah, like February of 2020. Wow. And we're still very connected and yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those kind of blessings that came out of something that's really awful and never should have happened, but it did. And here we are. So letters to Ben is kind of my expression of some of those feelings, um, kind of working through the grief, working through the, the love that I felt for him. Um, and the, just trying to come to terms with all of it. So it's five songs. I know that sounds super depressing when I tell that whole story (laughs) and then it's like, Oh, listen to my (laughs) five songs about, but I feel like, I feel like um, they kind of capture not only that grief and that loss, but also there's some excitement in there because mm. I I can look back and think of the moment that I saw him, right, and yeah. those first few conversations and the the kind of magic that existed in those moments, and that was something that I tried to capture musically. So it is it's a tragic story, but at the same time you know, good things have come out of it. Um, and musically I'm, I'm really proud of it. Um, I was able to work with some of the same guys from flourish, the same producer, same band on the record. I think I saw that you posted, you had the same drummer like last week or so. Yeah. You posted that picture. Same drummer, a guy named Kent McRae. I had the same guitarist. Actually the guitarist, Neil Gunhold has played on all three of my records now. Oh wow. Chris Byrne played bass on Flourish and Letters to Ben. He's like a Juno award-winning musician. Oh, dang. No big right? deal. I know. He's so cool. I'm, I'm just not like... offended that you didn't ask me. <laughs> I just, yeah, I mean, it's been, I still kind of have that imposter syndrome where I'm like, I do not totally. belong here. Totally. Looking at, you know, a room full of musicians like that, but they're amazing people, just so great to work with and yeah, I just feel, I feel really grateful, really fortunate that I'm in a position where I can make music, where I can, Mm. you know, 
after our whole conversation about creativity and producing things, but, but this is, you know, it's an important, I think this is an important thing and it's important for me and my healing process to express myself musically. And then it's kind of a bonus for me to be in a position where I can then turn it into something that can be shared right? and hopefully touch, you know, I think we're all going through grief in some form. Um, whether we've lost people or we're just kind of grieving the way things used to be or the things that we're missing. Um, so I hope that it's something that touches people and is meaningful to people. And that's, I mean, yeah, it's, that's really what it's about for me is just touching people's hearts, I guess. As cheesy as that sounds. Um, I got one more question, and this is a question that I ask everybody at the end of an interview. Um, What is one thing that you wish people knew about being, I guess in your case, being a teacher or being a musician? Hmm. Um, I feel like teachers are often misunderstood. Um, And Currently in our province, there's a lot of political division around education and, you know, the new draft curriculum. And I see a lot and I hear a lot of comments about what kinds of people (laughs) um, teachers are or, or, you know, what people think teachers are like or our motivations for being in education. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, if you find yourself thinking or saying (laughs) that a teacher is, you know, lazy and overpaid and in it for the summers off and all of that, that's true. Maybe one out of every, I don't know, thousand teachers. I I really, I don't know very many, if any, (laughs) teachers who are actually like that. Um, We pour our hearts and souls into what we do. And we love the children that we teach. And I, I know I'm kind of taking, I'm speaking for a lot, but I'm, I'm speaking for myself and also for the other teachers that I know personally. Right. Um, yeah. And I can safely assume that this is true for, for most professionals because it's not an easy job by any stretch of the imagination and certainly not in a time like this. Um, And I, I guess I just, I wish that people knew that when we speak up, when we complain, when we, um, I don't know, when we get into discussions where we're kind of fighting for funding for our students or a better draft curriculum for our K to six learners in this province, um, it's because we care. It's because we know what kids need because we have given our lives to finding out what kids need. (laughs) That's what we do. That's literally why we are in the classroom every day. And it is not an easy job. And it's really disheartening to, you know, stand up for something that we believe so strongly because we have the kids at the forefront um, of our of our fight. And then to be, you know, kind of told, oh, teachers are just just this or just that or whatever. And it's yeah, it's really discouraging um, when you're in a profession where you're literally giving your life to 
other people's kids. You know, we're, we're trying to build the future. Really. It sounds super cliched when you say it, but it's true. Um, and yeah, it's, I guess that's something that I wish people knew about teachers Mm. is just how much we love our students and how much we care about them as human beings Mm -hmm. and as learners and yeah. And how much we need gift cards to the liquor store. (laughs) 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 Starbucks is nice, but come on. (laughs) Yeah. True, true words were never spoken. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Where can, where can people find you on, on social media and when I guess the album will be out? The Uh, album, yeah, the album will be available on all major digital platforms. So Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, Google, all the, all the places. Mm -hmm. Um, I did also order a small number of compact discs, CDs, perhaps you've heard of them. I just kind of, I'm still a little bit old school. I still like to have <laughs> CDs. Yeah. And I know that some of my, quote, fans yeah. are little old church ladies who still, and that's, <laughs> they're like, that's great. What's Spotify? <laughs> Which there's no judgment. So What's I have a streaming? limited <laughs> amount of CDs. Um, so I do, I have a website, uh, sarahmaydefoe.com. I'm on uh, Facebook. I have a musician page, Sarah May Defoe. Instagram, Sarah May Defoe Music. I also have a letters, a specific letters to Ben. Yes, you do. Um, yeah. Account because I realized early on that it's pretty specific content. Right. Um, so yeah, I have two two different Instagram accounts. I'm on the Twitter, but I'm I just it's too much. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't the tweeting. I don't know. I've never gotten on the Twitter train, just, and I'm I, okay with that. I thought but. I would. I just, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, that's well, where you can find me, everywhere. Beautiful. Well, yeah. thanks, Sarah. Thank this you. has been great. It has been great. What a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for thanks for hanging out and, and giving up your time and, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and chatting. Just chatting and hanging out. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think this been a really good conversation i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of it so i hope so thank you thank you thanks for having me thank you so much again to sarah for sitting down and having this conversation it was super fun also make sure to pick up her new album letters to ben it is on spotify it is on itunes it is on compact disc if that's still your thing so go support sarah it really helps her out as an independent artist by supporting her directly uh, this show is also an independent project, so head over to patreon.com slash unexpected experts where you can become a patron of this show and get access to a second podcast and tons of other perks as well. So if you want to support the content that you listen to, check us out on Patreon. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Unexpected Experts podcast.